On this episode, David Gray returns to the show. I wanted to get David back on the podcast to discuss what he learned from presenting his model of lower body mechanics around the world over the past 18 months. I also asked David what was his proudest moment of 2023 and what are his goals for 2024. Now for this episode, guys, we used a new audio software to record this episode. And for whatever reason, my mic just didn't sync up to this software and I didn't realize till afterwards. So my audio on this episode is a little bit shaky, but David's audio is really, really good. And he came out really clear and that's what's most important. So I just wanted to flag that with you guys before you listen to the show. I would usually use Zoom, but we tried out a new audio software for this episode and my fault I should have checked that my mic was definitely synced up. And as I said, I didn't realize till afterwards. But as I already said, most importantly, David's audio came out nice and great. And that's what matters most as he was the guest. But other than that, guys, it was a great episode. And I hope you really enjoy it. So uh, as I said to you last month, I'd be very interested. It's actually about 17 months since we did our podcast. And that was just before you basically went on your global tour to deliver your lower lower body biomechanics workshop like sorry i know i know you didn't plan out to have a globe but you know it was before you basically went everywhere in the world to deliver it but uh, i'm just because i know for myself when i i went through about 2012 up to about 2017 delivering snc mentorships so like literally four days workshops like and, and you probably you know this as well as i do now like they're very fatiguing and intensive but they really help you to, to consolidate your model and your system. And like, you really take a deep dive into why you do what you do. So I was thinking, I wonder what Dave has really learned over the last 17 months delivering that workshop. Cause no doubt, like he's learned a ton of lessons from having to deliver that so many times over the last year and a half, you know, cause I remember actually on that podcast, our, our, our initial one back in August, 2022. And I said, what's your model? And then you were kind of like, that's a good question. What is my model? Because you're like, I'm currently putting it like I'm putting it into a presentation. So like, and you were just kind of working out the sort of nuts and bolts of it. So I was like, I'm, I'm kind of fascinated to see like the progression and how you've refined it. And it's probably not so much even like probably the model itself has now, but how you present it, like how you explain it and how you, because I remember I was asking Bill, like when I had Bill on the podcast last year, I was like, what's, you know what's new with the with the model and he goes well nothing's really new because it's principle based and i was like i was like that's probably a bad way of asking that question what i'm trying to say is what have you refined about teaching the model because he's definitely teaching it differently to what i originally learned because obviously pe- people learn people learn like different elements of a model you know so, some people they learn certain elements of a model easier than other ones so like with building like the whole thing about orientation relative motions a lot of people get confused or the superimposition of ir on top of an eor position like people get really mixed up with that so i'm like have you found a way to sort of explain that better to the masses because usually people find that very confusing at first so yeah i'm just so for me it's just like how was the last 17 months going around the world presenting your model what have you learned from that that's kind of the whole essence of the conversation what uh so you were in the, the dublin workshop when was that that was may may, may okay. 2023 yeah. yeah so uh to give people uh, a quick rundown uh so in february we went to in what was it 2020 end of 2022 we did like a couple of workshops in america and 
Sweden and one in our gym as well. Then we went to 2023. We went to, we did two in Sydney, one in Melbourne. We went to Munich. Uh, we did Dublin. We did Northern Ireland. We did uh, New York, Washington, Vancouver, Montreal, uh, Italy, and maybe a couple of others that I'm not thinking of. And you were kind of in the middle of that. So you were in Dublin in May. I think one thing I've thought about more and more is and, and changed is I think, especially in this industry, uh, the, the theory needs to be under... No, I'm saying that wrong. The theory needs to be backed up. No, the practical needs to be backed up with the theory rather than the other way around. So more and more I have taught a lot more exercises in the workshops which initially I thought I didn't want to go down that route like I didn't want it to just be a training session uh mm. for people because that's what everyone does anyway but and they're not they're not training sessions but there is loads and loads more variations and exercises and I want people to feel things and then I want to talk about the theory around that a little bit more rather than initially I'd gone okay here's the theory now we do the stuff now I'm more like here's the stuff and now we do the the theory and I think that drives a bit more like understanding when you do it that way and that's also bled into my coaching of clients as well where like let's get to work and then let's let's talk about it kind of during and afterwards and have conversations as we go along and number one i think is just let's get your feeling stuff and that drives understanding that feeling drives understanding so that's that's been a big i guess one of the biggest changes in the workshops robbie at least yeah yeah and another sort of question that was in my mind is like what was it like delivering the workshop like to non-native english-speaking countries like what, what was that experience like that's been absolutely fine, uh, be- way better than I could have expected, mainly because, like, if you go to Germany, their English is better than mine, so for the most part, so, <laughs> and these are also very educated people that we're talking to, like, they're, they're the top 1% of coaches and therapists in the industry, and I don't mean, like, the top 1%, not, not just because they're coming to my workshop, but because they're actually interested in spending money on their education. Like that's what filters people out, right? So their their English is amazing. Sweden, amazing. Uh, Italy, there's a little bit more kind of, um, how would I put it? There's more like, I don't know, there's more of an accent or something with the, with the Italians. But uh, so I think that was I had to be more clear with that but it was it was fine and what I've realized like what I've realized especially not to go off topic but all the shit that's going on in Ireland at the moment with all the like the race stuff and the immigrant stuff and all this and and around the world to be honest like what I've realized is everyone is this fucking same and no matter where you go people Mm. for the most part are just good people nice people who want to have a good life for themselves and want to have fun and be friendly and blah, blah, blah. And I always knew that, of course, but like we just actually just got exposed to that in a massive way over the last 12 months. And everyone is the same. And it can always seem like there's huge differences online and stuff. Like we're all bickering over different things. But like when you actually are belly to belly with someone, most people are just good people who are trying to do their best, you know. So that's what I've noticed. 
Yeah, I heard you say that on one of your, I think it was your last solo episode, kind of you, you were review, reviewing your 2023 and you were saying that. And that's, you know, there, there definitely is an element in that that resonates to me. Because similar to me, like when I was traveling around the world, when I'd be working in the States or whatever, an intern, I'd be like, you know, like fundamentally as humans, you know, nearly all of us just want the same thing, want to be loved, want to be accepted. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah like it, it might be just, you know, through a different language and some slightly different characteristics and behaviors due to like just the, the social cultural norms of where you're from. But like fundamentally the human level, yeah, people just want to be accepted for who they are and loved and, you know, valued. And yeah, those kind of fundamental values, exactly. they're commonplace. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so what was your, have you got any good stories workshop wise? Like, have you got any, what was like a funny moment or, Obviously, do you have like a favorite workshop you delivered, or was there, you know, is there anything that really specifically sticks out? Yeah, the one, the, like, funny looking back, but I woke up in New York. I was feeling sick uh, for a couple of days before we arrived in New York. I was feeling a bit like under the weather, and I could feel my voice, my throat is really bad. Always over the years, whenever me and the lads would go on a night out since I was 16 years of age, I would wake up the next morning and my voice was gone. Partly because I was shouting and roaring, probably, but the other part is just like they were as well. But it was always my voice was gone, so I have a very weak voice uh, for whatever reason. And yeah, I could feel it like I was in a bit of trouble coming up to the New York the New York workshop. So I did the Saturday, and we went out on the Saturday night. Kira and uh, another guy, Sam, an Irish guy that lives over over there, actually organized a nice bar. We got to the bar private little venue there for everyone and i literally couldn't talk i was like here i need to go home woke up the next morning about 6 a.m and my voice i could not ask her for like i couldn't tell her i need to go to the toilet like i was my voice was gone i was like oh i am in serious trouble here i have a full day of teaching on the sunday so uh so yeah we got it we got into the workshop i didn't speak like every single person that walked in i just nodded at them waited nine o'clock came and uh yeah i just I just somehow got through it, but I had to get like, I had again had to change my t- teaching style where it was just like, right, we're just going to absolutely hammer practical stuff all day long. And you know what, people, I think that's, that's another thing that changed. People just like doing stuff. They like doing it. They like coaching it. The more you can get them yeah. to do it themselves, the better. So that was one, my favorite one to teach. New York was really good just because it's a cool thing to tick off the bucket list, like a sold out workshop in New York. It was in Reload uh, Physical Therapy Clinic in, uh, I think it's on Fifth Avenue, I can't remember. And it's just an unbelievable clinic in New York. It's just the rent that they must be paying is insane because it's just, it's a beautiful clinic slash gym there. And uh, that was deadly. And then this that was deadly to do that and Italy was class as well because after on the Saturday night the lads uh, in that local gym brought me out for drinks and a pizza in like the local places in in uh in the area not in the touristy places and I actually had to just the time of my life there so I actually want to wanted to like move there afterwards so those were the those were the two the two good ones but they're nice to do some on Irish soil as well you know Oh, absolutely and that, that kind of nicely segues into the next question because no doubt sometimes you may might have been a bit relieved going on oh, at least the next workshop is only in ireland or it's in england like you know it wasn't having to maybe cross the atlantic but 
what sort of strategies did you kind of put in place like in terms of self-care like no doubt from all the traveling you, you know you, you get more experience at it and I suppose i don't want to use the word hacks but i suppose you, you kind of because you get more experience with traveling you, you kind of are better than at kind of handling the jet lag and putting kind of strategies in place and like so what did yourself and kira do over the last sort of 18 months to kind of you know best prepare and be as fresh as you could be with all the traveling okay the main one right this isn't practical necessarily this isn't people aren't gonna like me for saying this but flying first class is fucking amazing our business class is uh, and and we couldn't always do that but if we had sold like we had sold out all the workshops so you're making you're making the the workshops aren't that profitable after especially when you're Mm. traveling you're flying you're staying in hotels uh i like to i only do it when i'm going with kira i don't want to like really go on my own so like that's two sets of tickets and blah 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 but yeah flying business class is something else it's like you know if you're like elon musk versus me and you're driving around waterford in a car his car isn't going to be that much better than my car right we're still going to get to the same place staying in a hotel like yeah nice hotel is really nice versus a not nice hotel good food is really good versus not so good but none of that compares to a business class flight versus not a business class flight yeah something else and then a lot of the time we couldn't fly business class but we did pay the little upgrade for the seats at the front of the plane where you can stretch your legs out that is a game changer in and of itself because you're Mm. you get on a bit earlier you get to put your bags up above you get off so those two things are absolute game changers other one we make sure that we arrive at the place like at least a day before and then stay for a day afterwards, which again makes it less profitable, but more enjoyable. You're not feeling like you're in this big massive rush where you're in and out. Um, so we actually get to see the the venue. That's a, that's a big one. Um, yeah, just getting outside because over the weekend I'm inside all day and I don't get any sunlight or anything like that. So yeah. getting outside for an hour beforehand to have a walk is important for me and even like at lunchtime getting outside and clearing the head for a few minutes and getting some sunlight is really important so they're they're the big ones for me i still haven't gotten top of like sleep i'm pretty good for sleeping anywhere i haven't gotten top of food like i still eat kind of crap when i'm when i'm traveling um and yeah they're the big ones what what, what have you found for me it's yeah whenever i did a lot of traveling it was really light and meal timing that was the big thing because I, I think the last big trip i done was when i went over to bill actually to do his intensive and i remember like when i got over there and when i came home from that like i was fine both ways and i really put that down to just timing my timing my light exposure you know, getting getting to see sunset as quick as possible and then just getting your meal schedule back on that always and then you know, just getting back to your own daily schedule, like my body's used to exercise at 10 a.m. I just try and make sure I'm exercising at 10, you know, so but mainly it was light, light and food and then getting my physical activity in. That was it. And that all seemed to work like, you know, so, um, yeah, it really, really helped. On, on, on the plane, I took, uh, Kira got these natural sleeping tablets and I'd never taken any type of sleeping tablet or anything before, but, and she got them for nighttime as well and that helped that helped big time like falling asleep on a plane is a game changer if you're on a six hour flight getting a few hours 
does does really help. It doesn't feel like as much of a slog. And then actually getting to, like the first night, if you need to take those natural sleeping tablets, whatever they do, I don't know. But you could be asleep by 10 a.m. and then you might could be awake at 6 a.m. the next morning. And if you can get that first good night, you're actually away. You're good. It's when it's when like yeah. you're going to sleep at 12 and up at 3 a.m. and this kind of shit that you, you need to get the first night's sleep good. You need to get up early, like on their time and get out and get your light. And I think you're good. Yeah, yeah. Big time, definitely. More into the X's and O's. Was there anything within your lower biomechanics model that you completely did a 180 on? Like, say, from 17 months ago when you first were building out your presentation, is there anything like in that you're like, you know, I, I ch- I've actually changed my mind. That maybe not even 180, but maybe you know, just you slightly change your mind on some things. Um, not as such because it it is more principle based as well, and I think that the principles are pretty solid. Uh, but there is stuff that I've changed my mind on teaching uh, because I don't think it's a good idea to teach it in that workshop or at that time or in that way or in that structure or for several different reasons. So I have stopped talking about like compression expansion for the most part. Okay. Um, even in the wor- workshops you were at, you probably only heard those words from me like once or twice maybe yeah small Uh, small yeah very small i just find that it confuses people and actually you know what i've changed my mind on i've changed my mind that confusing people is is fine i always kind of thought that like leaving people i want to leave people i don't want to leave people confused but i'm not afraid to leave them a bit a bit confused with some some things where they have something to chew on. I think if you leave a workshop and you're like, yeah, I know everything and I'm good. I, I think you weren't challenged enough. So mm. I don't kind of contradict myself in some ways, but I'll try and loop back. But I've, I've, I'm, I'm more comfortable with leaving people a little bit confused about certain things. I'm not purposefully trying to do it, but I do actually say to people like some of this stuff shouldn't actually click for you properly don't just take my word for something like don't just say just because david said this is good it's good if you're confused you're confused but it should start to click with you as you coach this stuff over the next 12 months and you should be able to reference back and say like that actually makes sense now because that's how learning occurs and that's how the like my model and the workshop developed and all of us as coaches developed it. It wasn't just like, I learned this and now I get it and now I use it. It's like, no, I, I'm learn I'm using something that I maybe get, but if I was to have to, had to explain it, I might struggle and blah. It's a constant kind of to and fro. So I'm not afraid to leave people a little bit confused. I actually think it's a good thing, but on the flip side, I, they should be left with something that they could, be confused, chew on, and figure out for themselves eventually uh, with some patience and some work if they need to. They don't need to figure it out for themselves, but they they could eventually. I think you could leave someone with compression expansion and some principles with that, and they could come back to you 10 years later and say, I'm still thinking about this, and I'm still confused. Actually, I'm more confused than ever for so, for some people, and maybe that's just the way... I would I am teaching it or I'm using those words and not not having clarity but I think you're either going to be like 
really in on teaching that stuff or are not i don't know how much of a middle ground there is that's where i'm at i don't have the answer to that but i don't know how much of a middle ground there is because if you just start talking about compression and expansion now and then in a in as concepts in a workshop where otherwise you're talking about mobility and strength and just concepts that people understand i think you just lose them for that portion of the workshop and i, and I don't know you i'm sure you'll have thoughts on that no, I, I, I get where you're coming from too. That because yes, like I know when you're when you're saying there, I kind of like originally I didn't want to be leaving people confused. Could maybe then I don't know this material well enough, and it's kind of like. But then I get where you've kind of reflected on it, saying, but I don't want people leaving a workshop going everything he said there. I agree with hundred percent. It's like because then they weren't challenged, and we know that to continually to grow as individuals, we need, we need our beliefs challenged or our current thought process and something challenged, you know, whether that, whether that's even just to be reflecting deeply on something. And then at the end of that reflection going, I still think I, I still think I'm still with my current beliefs around that, even on that deep reflection, you know, mm-hmm. but no, you're right. It's, it's, it's to have that courage within yourself as a presenter to be like, not afraid to yeah, like to, to, challenge people or even to say listen if you're confused that's not necessarily the worst thing ever because if it was easy then we wouldn't need to have workshops or continual education you know so exactly. yeah it's it's about i know what you're like because i know for myself being a presenter you almost have a fear that you don't know this material well enough or that you're not good enough to teach others or like am i really am i really like getting this true and it's like sometimes you just gotta let go of that as well because you can't really control the end users either you know like I know just from Bill's perspective, Bill Hartman's perspective, like he is just like, like, you know, every time like you come to Bill and you ask a question about his modeling, oh, I've heard someone should say this about your model. And he goes, that's no, that's not it. <laughs> and he's at a stage, but he's at a stage like, I can't control what other people are, are, you know, how they're starting to interpret this. And I saw like the FMS go through similar things too. And listen, we could, that's a whole other, that is what it was. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's gone through its time. But, you know, same again, like it's, it's very hard to control what people take away from your own message. You know, like it's, it's, and it's very hard for, you probably similar too. you can touch on this now. Like that's initially, it's a very hard thing for, for us. To, I say us, me and you as presenters to like let go of. It's like, no, no, no. But then it's just like, I can't, you know, if I try, and, if I try and like, you know, really help this one person, I'm going to have to do it to the thousands of people that have heard me speak. And it's just impossible. You know, you just got to do your best at your message and how people interpret that. You're just hoping that sort of like the global message gets out there, but you know, you can't, yeah, it's, it's, I know what you mean. It's, it's, you can sort of waste a lot of mental energy on it and then you kind of have to come to a place of acceptance that you're just not going to get through to everyone necessarily. And sometimes it's a good thing because it challenges them as well. Exactly. And like you are, you have sometimes in them rooms, you have 40 people there of different levels. And I don't even mean they are different levels of intelligence, but they're just different levels of exposure to the material more mm. so than anything. Cause you don't need to be, uh, you don't need to be a mega brain to understand this stuff really. Like, you know, it just needs time and consistent exposure and a willingness to understand it. And I think for the most part, anyone can, anyone can get a hold of this stuff. It just needs reps. But so it's going to hit different for different people because they're at different stages of their development and different uh, amounts of reps that they've had with exposure to this stuff. And what I realized, and I did, this was probably my most profound realization, and I'm not really one for profound, profound realizations where something hits me. I'm more like, 
I don't know. I, I just like reflect back at some stage and I'm like, oh, that's been a good three years where I developed and now I'm here and I was there. But there was, I don't exactly know when it was, but there was some kind of profound realization that my job more than anything is to, and I really do mean this, this isn't just a soundbite, is to kind of inspire curiosity in, in coaches and therapists and tell them that that's okay to be curious about movement because the overwhelming message I would say that has been coming from the industry over the last couple of years is like everything is figured out oh I don't know about that but it's just like it's not okay to ask questions to yourself or it's it's you almost have to pretend that you have all the answers about everything and Mm. like yeah if this is if you have this client okay like here's the squat progression you're going to do a goblet heels elevated goblet uh uh uh, front squat then you're going to change it into a safety bar squat a hard field blah 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 like it's like okay this has all been figured out all these pathways are laid out for you and i really really want to be a good inspiration for people not in a cheesy way to be just be like be curious about this and also that's one thing i want to inspire curiosity I want to have good energy so that people, because we all have admiration maybe for our teachers that we've had over the years and mm. we will kind of mimic some, we'll all have our own spice to things, but we'll all kind of mimic like certain teaching styles that resonate with us. So I want to inspire curiosity in people i want to inspire like good energy like positive energy you know like let's not be judgmental and say everything is shit in this industry and it's because that's what the message is most of the time everything is shit i want to be like no actually there's so much good stuff here i want to i want people to feel like okay i can be a very high level coach or therapist where i know a lot about movement I can also be really good where I can communicate and have a lot of empathy for my clients. I can also be very successful if that's what I want in terms of I can have a full client list and I can get really good results and I can network well with people and not again, not in a cheesy way. And I can make good money if that's what I want. Like I want to inspire that for people and and the movement stuff that I teach and the model that I teach I've realized more and more is just a vehicle for all that other stuff. It's like, okay, here is how I use movement and look at movement and coach movement. But all of that is just a vehicle for you to be like more successful, happier ultimately, and helping more people. Like ethically, you can make more money ethically by helping more people. You can be happier and you can inspire others then to go and do the same in the industry and and actually push standards forward rather than just stagnating like most people have. Great stuff. A question I have for you too, um, and this kind of comes to my own experience from from teaching at mentorships and seminars. Was there any sort of common trend that you saw throughout all your workshops? And let me give you an example, and this might make the question a little clearer. So I would say, now I taught mainly like strength and conditioning, sports science, like development stuff. I would say most people coming to the workshops could do where an element of the workshop would touch over just some fundamental things like, you know, anatomy, physiology, like just things like that. So so maybe in your case, did you find that a common trend was that maybe I'm assuming people have a better knowledge of biomechanics and they don't, and it it might actually help to touch in on that to, 
to make sure that my message is more clear like so does that kind of question make sense so because like, i even find as being a participant sometimes in some workshops you can go to certain things and the kind of pres pre presenter i don't know if it's, it, it, it's either they assume or they just really just don't have the time to kind of make sure people have the fundamental you know concepts down so that they can actually really understand the information i think what a lot of people are doing nowadays is like if you sign up for a two three-day workshop they might send you some pre-recorded advanced material yeah and say listen you guys to really understand this workshop you need to make sure that you refresh yourself or if you haven't gone through this you notice like like no like the so in your case when we know like the gate cycles that you have an idea of that and you know mm -hmm. what's early middle and late in terms of propulsion and you know just something like that. Is, is that was that something that you kind of saw or if that makes sense yeah, that question it, it, it is so our in my mind our pre-course content is like a, a couple of our programs like at least lower body basics i think i think that most people that come to our workshop will have been exposed to that or had that program or got it or done some of the stuff and the reason that it's good that we're not mainstream in that, like, okay, se semi-mainstream, but not not like people would Google, like, what workshop could I go to? And they would end up at ours. Like, that's never, ever going to happen, I don't think. And yeah, I don't yeah. want that to happen. So if someone ever asks me, like, is there prerequisites for the workshop? I would say, like, you should have probably done that program or, or played around with some of the exercises just to, again, feel a few things. Um one thing that I, I realize that people don't understand in any way, shape or form is is just relative motion. They just they just cannot not they can't, they just don't understand. It's obviously not taught in any school really, no matter what mm -hmm. you go through in a deep way, it's not taught. And that's why you see so much crap online when it comes to mobility work and there's not you're not doing what you think you're doing you're you're moving chunks of bones together but you don't you don't have a good grasp on relative motion and i think like if i was teaching a, an online mentorship where i had a good amount of time like eight weeks 10 weeks 12 weeks with all pre-recorded content for people that would probably be lesson one relative motion mm -hmm. and i would draw some stick men and i would just draw shapes and stuff like that and i would and even people, like, I don't mean this to sound condescending, but even some people who are listening here who will say, like, I, I do understand relative motion will still struggle. They, they still, I think a lot of people, not everyone, but I think a lot of people don't understand it as well as they should. The difference between, but, but like, bones moving, both bones, like for a knee joint, the, the femur and the tibia can be, moving the knee is flexing and they can be moving at the same amount the same speed in the same direction different directions as each other are in the same direction but at different speeds there's so many ways to ha uh, have relative motion or lose relative motion or not have relative motion and that makes all of the difference when it comes yeah. to movement and not just for like retraining mobility but also for strength training i see it constantly where and the, the example kind of that people are probably sick to death of me talking about is like in a hinge pattern where people are trying to get the glute tissues to load but they 
when they push their hip back, their knee goes miles back with it. So there's no, there's not much relative motion actually occurring at the hip joint. So, and we know like for hypertrophy, it's going to be a good thing to put a stretch through the tissues. So, and you're only going to stretch tissues if there's relative motion there. So that's a massive concept. And I don't spend enough time on that. There's not a, a section of the workshop where I talk about relative motion as such, but it comes up. I spend a good bit of time in the assessment section actually picking out little things here that we should be looking out for in different types of movements. Then, like in the foot section, we're, we're talking about opening up the feet, pronation, supination, which is relative motion in the hinge yeah. section. We're talking about saying there's not one good type of hinge, but if you want this to happen and to stretch these and load these tissues, this is the type of relative motion that you need to occur at the hip joint. So it's throughout the whole workshop, but there might need to be a, a actual pre-course content or whatever. That's like actually just a lesson on what this actually means, you know? Yeah, 100%. See, look, we're already getting a deeper investigation here in this conversation. But yeah, like that, it's, it's thought, that's how these things evolve and develop. You know, you find a sort of, it's just, a, that's what I mean by refinement of your model that we found that this section was tough for people. So this is why now we have this kind of prerequisite because we find it's just, it makes the whole weekend process smoother when people yeah. have that concept more, more, they've more of a mental model of that concept in their mind. And that is relative motion is a tough thing initially for a lot of people. I, I think personally myself, I didn't find it too. I, I found it easy enough, you know, but I can understand how it can be pretty confusing. And as, as we mentioned earlier on with Bill's one, when I had him on the podcast, I think it was May, last May, like super imposition of, again, like IR and ER, like that is, that can be, I can understand how that's tough because people are like, how is that internal rotation? Like they're extra, and he's like, yeah, the position might be ER, but they're putting an IR force through it. Force, so like, you know, yeah. example, the example might be like, you know, the West Side squatters back in the day, like he'd be saying, because you know, and you notice know like IOR is forced in the ground, and people are like, yeah, but the West Side lads are like completely in a massive EOR position. He goes, yeah, they're they're in an EOR position because that's the only way they can get space. But yes. when they're when they're pushing down to the ground, it's it's an IOR force on top of that EOR position. So I, I can understand who go. I still find it hard to understand. I like, it is hard to understand. I, I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, before from twenty. Oh yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Does, does this? So I've thinking I've been thinking about a, a way to explain relative motion, right? In a very like the most simple way without talking about mo- uh, movement of bones, let's say. So it, let's say you're at a train station and there's a cup of coffee on the train, sitting on a table on the train. You're at the train station, you're watching the train go by. Uh the train is going 60 miles an hour. The cup of coffee is on the train, but you're not. How fast is that cup of coffee going relative to you? Re- relative to me? Yeah. Oh, how fa- actually, how fast, is, how fast is that cup of coffee going? It's on the train and the train is going 60 miles an hour, let's say. 60 I, I would have said 60 miles an hour. Yeah. Okay. So, right? <laughs> so you're standing still. The train and the coffee is going 60 miles an hour. Now you're sitting on the train. And the coffee is still there as well. You're both going 60 miles an hour. But does the, the, so does the coffee go past you really fast? Or is it just sitting in the same spot? It's sitting so it's in the, the same, same spot because yeah, you're yeah. going at the same speed as the coffee. So this applies to, there's no relative motion between you and the coffee versus in the first example, there is relative motion between you and the coffee. So mm. this applies to bones 
and their relationship with each other. Just be like a, a tibia can move, have all the movement, and the femur has no movement. And now that now the knee joint is, ex, is experiencing relative motion, let's say in the transverse plane. But if the tibia and the femur are going in the same direction and at the same speed, just because the knee joint is moving in space, there's still no motion between those bones. So there's no move, motion at the knee joint itself. So like that type of, I, I don't know, that type of example, I need a better one, but that's the type of way I'm trying to get people to understand it. No, that, that was actually a good example. That was a good example. It's just, you, know, you know, sometimes people ask you a question like, oh, is this a trick question? Is he going to like, <laughs> some, is he going to do some math here and I look so foolish? Uh, no, 100%, 100%. And, you know, and to be honest, this is exactly why I was so interested to have this conversation with you because it just made me reflect on, again, when I was teaching my own, you know, S&C model, if you like, or physical preparation or athletic development, kind of model. And I, I was just, I, I was like, I wonder, like, I wonder how Dave's model, David's model has evolved over this last 17 months. I'm just fascinated to see, like, you know, and I, I just knew there'd be these sort of insights that you had. And yeah, it's, it's I, just, I just find this fascinating, like, you know, again, because it's, it's part of the creative process too, you know, and it's, and it's, and it's also part of the, the, the continual process of, of mastery and master of one's craft. Like, um, you did a really good solo podcast there, one of your latest ones, again, kind of reflecting on 2023, but I want to ask this one for this conversation. Well, and it might Maybe it's, it might sound a bit funny, but what was the kind of like proudest moment for you of 2023? Um, good question. Really good question. Um, it's probably it's probably spilling over now. I would say the it's probably spilling over into like this month, which is. A few uh, a few months ago, like how many months ago, whatever it was, Kira is due at the start of March, so that would be nine months at that stage. So, like a few months ago, there was a baby on the way. Uh, we knew there was a baby on the way. We knew that we needed to leave our uh, our current gym that we were in because my dad was selling his house, and that's our, our gym was in the back of our stables where you actually were down with us. Um, so I needed a new venue and I needed a new house, which was our current house that I'm actually sitting in right now is just not big enough. We have one bedroom and we don't, yeah. we can't even get past each other in it. So that's not going to be big enough for a baby. Um, and we need to try and hire someone to replace Kira as well. Uh, cause she's a big part of the business and I don't want her stressing when a baby arrives. I want her to be just like, okay, I can focus on this. And obviously, I'm going to be there to help her, but I really don't want her to be freaking out over someone's email that like they lost their password or something for for a program. So there's been several things uh, that we had to work on. And in the meantime, like she was pregnant when we were in uh, America for our workshops and Italy for our workshops. So there was just a lot going on. And I kind of had to say to myself, I actually heard like earning Ernest Hemingway's one of these speeches or something. And he used the word uh, indefatigable. Uh, and I was like, that's a good word. So I kind of took that word. I was like, right, for the next six months, I am very fatigable, but I'm going to tell myself that I, I, I cannot fatigue. I'm just going to keep going and um, hopefully come out the other side at some stage. But I just do, do not have time to feel sorry for myself or to feel like 
I can have that much of a rest or anything like that. And my mood might be up and down, but I'm just going to keep going. And we're, we're kind of now coming out the other side. Now the baby is still to come, but we're, we're sale agreed on the house. We have just like kind of today slash that last night made like a significant bit of progress with the gym. Uh, we're at interview stage with a couple of people for the hire to replace Kira. And, um, and yeah, we've just done a lot. So I'm kind of proud on on that side of things. Our life has felt like it's been chaos for good chaos in a lot of ways, but still chaos for the last six months at least. And I'm really proud that we've come through it. Kira actually said to me last night that we haven't, we basically haven't like argued with each other at all in the last few months. And and it, I think a few years ago, under that much stress that was going on at the like, we're not. I don't. I don't want to this to sound like i'm like we have the hardest life in the world we don't we have a great life uh, far there's a lot of people with much in much worse situations far worse but um just with that much stress working together with that much going on and that much kind of worry about like what's this and un- not worry uncertainty i would say in the past we would have argued with each other probably a lot and we haven't been and that's more so because yeah i just changed my i i just realized that we are like in it together rather than kind of she's not doing this or you know this kind of mindset so that's been a huge bit of growth for me we've had the business has done some great things like we our foot program has sold thousands and thousands of copies and that's cool because it's financially good and stuff but when i see all these people like literally yesterday on instagram someone a girl a physio tagged me in a program or sorry in a post in a story and it was her doing an exercise a couple of exercises from the foot program with her one of her clients and I already shared it and then she actually wrote to me and said this is this athlete uh and she said ta- sent me the tag of the athlete that she was doing it with and it was a uh, I think a three-time Olympic uh medalist in volleyball or something like this who has uh, I went onto the Instagram and she has over a million followers and I was just like like this is this stuff has been spread all over the world and it's been used everywhere even sometimes that I don't realize how much so that's that's been cool but way more than that uh, the foot program or the workshops or anything like that has just been like how I think me and Kira have dealt with the last few months and just held it together which I can I think just I'm proud of ourselves and that shows a bit of like maturity and growth that I didn't know was possible for me <laughs> Yeah, no, that, that's like that. That's a, do you know? What? I'm, I'm not surprised that was your answer too, because I, I could tell, I, and I can just tell because I I do regularly listen to a lot of your podcasts. I, I can tell like how much Kira means to you, and that was very evident today. I was there in the, with the workshop in May. How close you two are, so I'm not surprised that Kira and your your baby to be were sort of top of mind there. Um, and just to suppose if there is any more follow up to that, then David. Um, the last 17 months, because you two have been so close in terms of the travel and the workshops, the organization, how has that sort of, how has that reinforced your relationship? Yeah, it's been actually, so we had a, we had a humongous row there at one stage, probably maybe around that long ago, like two years ago or 18 months ago or something like that. I don't know, but a humongous row and we were like, okay, we just can't work together because it's not good for our relationship. And it was mostly my fault, actually all my fault. And because I'm just, I'm just too, I was just too critical of her for too many things. 
and it, it, it it's a mix of like me being critical but also her not accepting criticism well from me. So, you know, she would be fine with someone else and I would be fine with someone else. But when you put those two things with us together, it doesn't work well. And then we end up rowing over work stuff and that spills over into life, of course. So at that stage, I was like, right, we just we're better off for our relationship, not working together. And then I realized that it was like I'm being way too critical and I need to stop and I think she's got way more confidence since then uh just in herself and her work and she's done a better way better job like way way better job just because she, I think she's not afraid of me saying oh why did you do it that way kind of thing you know so mm-hmm. that so anyway the point of, the, of that is to say that we've been absolutely excellent for the last 12 months and especially the last six months and I always heard people saying that you can't work with your partner, like you shouldn't work with your partner. And what I realized is that's people saying it about like, like I shouldn't, like you shouldn't work with your partner because of all these reasons. But that doesn't have to apply to us. We can do it and make make it like, actually, this is a, the coolest thing. We can hopefully tell our kids or our grandkids, like, or just tell ourselves, like, look what we built together and... We didn't fucking have a divorce over it. We didn't kill each other over it. We, we appreciate that. It's actually so much cooler when you do it together. And we can still have our relationship, like our personal relationship, separate to that. And we can set the right boundaries and stuff. So I've realized that anytime I hear people saying now, like, you can't do this or you shouldn't do this or whatever, like, that might apply to them, but not necessarily to me or to anyone yeah. else. So, yeah, I'm really... So, yeah, we've been good since I realized that, yeah, maybe sometimes we're just fucking arguing because I thought this couldn't work in this way because someone else just said it, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, those people are only given their perspective, which hasn't got to do with your life and, and your reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, so, it's been good. Looking forward then to this year, 2024, what... What's on the cards? Obviously, I know the baby's going to be a, a massive, a massive piece, if not the, the main priority. But will workshops take a bit of a backseat? Will it be more sort of maybe online? Um, what's what's on for DGR now in twenty twenty four? Um, good question. Yeah, the, the baby's coming now. Hopefully, to start of March. Fingers crossed, all goes well there. So that's the that's the priority. By the end of the gym is hopefully going to be getting over the line in the next two weeks. Um. And I really want to start to see more in-person clients. So I've put that on the back seat for the last couple of years. Um, and I have been seeing in-person clients all along because I know how important it is to make sure I'm like constantly coaching. Like that's where I learned the most by far. People always ask me, where do you learn the most? Of where do you learn from? And it's just like the, the unequivocal answer by far is from clients, from working with clients. Yeah. And yeah. it's just because I'm curious. Like I'm just like, what the fuck is that like what what's that fella doing like you know and why is he doing it not in a judgmental way just like what the hell is that like you know um so that's where i learned the most i want to do more in-person clients and i i even had the gym isn't ready it's a it's a building site basically but i had a couple of people that i knew from my local club and stuff like they came in and i needed to do a bit of work with them and like it was like okay just don't go over there because you'll put a nail through your foot but we'll be able to do work here and uh, i just got so much energy from doing that so i want to do a bit more coaching 
uh, I want to release a new program. I think I'm going to do a hip, a, like a hip and grind program, like the foot program, where it's like step by phase by phase type of program. Um, and I'll do some workshops, but less. I think I'll do maybe six or eight workshops. We already have a couple of private ones in the books where people get us to come and do just with their clinic. Um, so we'll do that, and hopefully we'll have a new house as well in the next couple of weeks. Just waiting on like contracts and stuff there so i really want that to i really want a a period of like continuity and not uncertainty where it's like okay i now i have my house now i have my gym now i have a staff member and like let's just roll with this for a while rather than constantly thinking like jesus i have to get this sorted i have to get the next thing the next thing so so yeah what about you it's just for for answer. I was laughing when you said that the nail on the ground is like that's taking constraints led approach to an extreme. <laughs> just so you know, if you let that heel drop, you're getting a nail in the heel. Exactly. Uh, personally, myself for 2024, I'm in college actually, so I'm in DCU now uh, studying PE and biology. So I've decided to go back and become a, a PE teacher. Okay. Just cool. just just purely because like, listen, I guess I love I, I absolutely love SNC. I love everything to do with human performance, but. Just from a more stability standpoint, salary-wise and health insurance, like I was only ever being contracted out for S&C work. And, you know, like if I was being honest too, I got a bit burnt out from from that, 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 that side of coach, you know. But what I absolutely fell in love with this year, and we actually spoke about this when I was down in your clinic at the end of 2022, um, I took over a hurling team in Nafina. It was actually the, the Senior 2 team. And it was just like a new lease of life, you know. Again, it was still coaching, but it was a different form of coaching. So I was purely just the hurling coach. So I, and I said this to you when we were down in Waterford together, that at the time I was studying a lot of like with tactical periodization and game models. So I learned about like, you know, the phases of the game. So, you know, in any ball field or team-based sport, you have attacking, defending, attacking, transition, defensive transition. And then some sports then would have some additional moments of the game. So hurling would have like, breaking balls and rook balls, which would be like specific to hurling, whereas you wouldn't have that in soccer, like but you'd have the other four phases there or the four moments. And then also your set pieces are individual to the sport. So hurling the big set piece would be puck outs, um your line balls, your throw balls, your free sixty five. So like I really got deep into that and like just like we've been talking about this whole uh, discussion here about like how to teach, like trying to get your concepts across to individuals. Very similar to me with the players. Now I didn't go overly bored this year with the guys. So the season just gone because the big thing going into that group that I heard was like, you know, lads weren't going training. They weren't enjoying it. Like from the previous management team that had been there. Mm-hmm. So my whole thing was like, look, I just want to, I've one goal this year, get lads to love hurling. That's it. Yeah. Whether we win, whether whatever. So again, this is the second team. So our first team, you probably, you know this, cause obviously you're, you're in Ireland and you fly Jay. Our first team got to the Leinster club final this year. It was a historic year for the club. So this is the team underneath them because our, our B team so my goal was just to get lads loving the game and we won our league we got 11 wins out of 11 so we got up to division three which we're, they've been trying to do for a decade and we got to a championship semi-final which was completely unexpected because we were in a group with like first teams like a teams from other clubs so and we were a B team so like you know we had substantially less, less budget like these are teams that would have S&C coaches performance analysis nutritionists physios you know, like, and we had balls and cones. Do you know what I mean? But there's an aspect of that I loved. It was like, yeah. well, how creative can you get? Like, like, how good can you make this? 
So it, it just, it was amazing. It, it, you know, if I was to wrap it up in one word, fulfillment, I got unbelievable fulfillment from it. It was just a new lease of life and coaching. So from 2023, that was amazing. And you know what? That's probably why I veered towards PE teaching because PE teaching, like such a large part of that is learning pedagogy, you know, learning, like learning how to learn, how to teach. And so much, so much from sport coaching comes from PE. Like it's unbelievable. When I went reading back like the historical PE texts, it's like, all the stuff like in the coaching sport manuals they're like from old PE co- textbooks you know mm-hmm. so like um, so from a career aspect uh david I, i've I, i'm in dcu now doing PE biology as a student because i think the lifestyle of a PE teacher would suit me in terms of my endeavors as a coach too and i'm really gotten big into the hurling coaching now and i've now taken taken over that second team as the head coach so it's another year of learning for me because for me too I'm a big fan of Guardiola, and I'm not not putting myself up near Pep in any regard. But when I read his background story, the first team he took over was was Barcelona B, and he did that because essentially he was like, "This is a a very safe first team to win with." I'm away from like, you know, the media. Like no one's really gonna be looking. Oh, how's Pep doing with Barca B? No one really cared. So he could experiment with all the ideas he had floating in his head. That's exactly how I saw that year just going with the lads, and it's kind of just to build on that now. Because if I was being true for my longer term goal, would be to take over our senior A team and. Eventually, I'd love to get in with like double minor teams or 21s and eventually maybe a senior setup at some stage. So um, for me, that's where I am right now. And 2024 is just more growth than that and really just delve more into pedagogy and PE teaching. So that's, that's where good. I'm at now. That's yeah, good. yeah. That's really good. Uh, I'd love to get into the potentially sports coaching at some stage. Uh, potentially, whether I'd be any good or not, I have no idea. But I like skill development. I like skill development. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's just so much. It's just so you can just go so much deeper with that. Not necessarily like talking about it, but just you know when you're playing hurling or football, it's so much more than like a squat, you know. So yeah, that just appeals. That does that idea appeals to me, whether I would be good or whether I'd like it. But that idea definitely does appeal to me. I I, I definitely do think it is something that you would thrive in, and I'm not just saying that because you're on the other end of this call now, and you know a lot of people go, "Ah, he's just saying that because." You know, it's him, it's, it's the two of them on a call. But the reason for that is because, one, you're so inquisitive, but two, you love skill acquisition and lear- and motor learning. And, like, that's what really grasped me on it. Because about 2018, when I was doing my master's in Mary's, we had a biomechanics skill acquisition mo- uh, module. And I, for what, and I've said this multiple times to people, and I don't know if I said it to you, if this came from one of our conversations before, but for whatever reason, I just had this made-up story in my head that biomechanics and skill acquisition was boring. I was like, oh, this is going to be a drag, this module. And it absolutely blew me away. Like, that's how I fell in love with, like, Keith Davids and Gabrielle Wolf and, you know, all these, like, top biomechanists. But then the skill acting, like, so, like, the Sean Mishkis and the emergence and, you know, just, like, the whole concept of skill acquisition and, like, how movement is emergent and, like, the affordances of movement. Like, what blows my mind is, like, a movement you were literally able to do, like, a second ago is all of a sudden gone because of, like, there's like acute fatigue, you know, the ATP didn't just fucking regenerate quick enough and you just couldn't make that half a second yard quicker. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of laughing because when you said a oh, hurling's more than a squat, I'm like, that that basically sums up like the last like five years. I was like, that's kind of why I got out of SNC because like, God, this, the SNC is such a small piece of the puzzle. And I, so my, my whole thing was like, this is, this is how I sum, summarize it too, Dave, is that like people like, when I left SNC, they were like, will you ever do it again? I was like, if I ever get back involved in sport, I will be the head coach, not just the physical preparation coach like i want to be the overseer but i find that our background like our background in performance and more so your background when it comes to the rehabilitation the biomechanics 
like that gives you such a greater sort of global perspective that I think it, ser- it will serve, like it's serving me great as a head coach. And if you ever decide to get into it too, it would serve you so well as well. Like, but just that curiosity of learning and the more and the skill acquisition. And you can see it too in that, like when you're teaching concepts, lads, like even like when I'm teaching some of the forwards about like how to create separation from the back, their movement of timing. Yeah, you know, it's like the lads are like, I've never been t- like taught this. I like, know. Is, like, it's basic, like yeah. it's really basic stuff, really. Like, oh, like so, like the, like attacking principles. You're like, okay, like you're like, boys, what's the first thing we need to do when we're in possession? And it's just like space. We have to create space. You know what I mean? It's like width, make the pitch wider and depth longer. And it's like, because when you open out the opposition, you now you can penetrate defensive lines and you do that through tr- tr- uh, support runs, third man runs, and you start showing the patterns of play. And it's like, they already do it subconsciously if they watch themselves on video, because they just didn't, they, they didn't have a mental model of it. But it's, it's, it, listen, it's no different when you're with a client. And when I used to be sort of maybe more so with the really um, motivated athletes in the gym, when they used to maybe get like a, an exercise variation and they, they'd nail the technique, you know, you get that buzz as a teacher, like they get it. Like they yeah. get it, and they're like, you've you've like you've blown a tiny little piece of their universe. They're like, oh my god, this is amazing. Just like you know, when you get when you got guys hinge, and like that's a hinge, that's my arse on fire. Oh my god, I've been doing it like wrong for twenty years. So <laughs> I, I think I think you would thrive as a, as a sport coach, given your background in GA too. Mm, I think, like I've been exposed to uh, our club team being uh, absolutely amazing for ten or fifteen years, having some of the best players that have ever come out of our county and winning. 10 championships in 15 years or something and then I've seen some of those guys go into coaching and I don't mean this in a judgmental way because they actually did it and I didn't like I'm not co- I'm not co- they were much better players than me and they actually went coaching like and I'm not so I could be absolutely shit as well I'm not shit but I've seen some of them not understand like in any way shape or form why they were good players and can't yeah. can't you know it's like the the answer is just only we need to work harder and we need to run more and we need to do this this and this and show passion and aggression and i'm like like is your perception of why we won like just that back in the day because yes that was part of it but like the, the your game intelligence was incredible and the way you patterned up with these types of players and the way you you, you just did things like you can't describe it because not that you didn't work hard on it. Like it came semi-naturally, but you also worked really hard. But then 10 years later, or 15 years later, like your advice is like your answer to everything is you're not working hard enough. I'm like, ah, oh, that just really spits in the face of yourself. Like how good you actually were, but you just, for, you just never really thought about it properly, you know? Yeah, so yeah. yeah, I just, just you see that so often in the GA, just and in and in prof- like in Premier League, like great players not becoming great managers, or even good managers, or even okay managers because they haven't taught things true. They just haven't taught about what made them good. Yeah, a lot of it too is they actually don't have empathy for players that weren't as good as them. They can't understand. Like they don't. No. They're like, what, what, like what, what, like because they don't actually because those great players were so good. They didn't need to develop a mental model. They didn't need to work at their game as much as somebody who came in with a lesser ability but really had to develop and think more about their game. So a lot of times they just don't have good empathy and they can't relate then and they're just like, you know, just do it. Like what like 
and then then you're right. They just they just refer back to you're just not working hard enough. You're just you're just working you know hard, you, yeah 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 yeah. It's, instead of really kind of analyzing the game, but again, there's so many strings to that ball too because the, like the other side of that coin is you do get guys who really aren't great coaches from the X's and O standpoint. Like they're not really great technically and tactically, but they're just a great people person. You know yeah they you know like they they they'd make they'd make guys believe that you know, painting a wall there is going to make them better just because of the, the belief they instill and the, the, the whole like emotional intelligence that they have too. So yeah. there is that too. Cause again, you could be a brilliant technical tactical coach, but if you're an asshole, nobody's going to want to go to war with you, you know? So there is, yeah. there is so many strings to the bow, like, you know, but then um, yeah. uh, you're again, that's all a podcast I refer back to. Um, was excellent. What were some of your, um, Oh, actually one question I do want to make sure we touch on for, before we wrap up is, Social media, I was very, very interested to hear your take on, on that podcast in terms of like how it made you feel from a mental health standpoint. And you kind of noticed like certain trends and behaviors yourself that you weren't liking. You know, you, you were kind of you were engaged in some things on social media and you're like, this isn't me. Like, why am I doing this? So really interested to, to hear how like that's really made you reflect on yourself and, and sort of the personal development from that. Because it isn't we no doubt nearly everyone has, has gone through that because even I'm very ready on social media, and but when I was a bit more back in it, you you realize you're getting sucked into these things, and you're like, "What am I doing?" Like, yeah, and you're like, I'm really being a part of myself that I don't want to be here, you know. I, I'm like reflecting a part of me that like that 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 isn't the true me here, you know. So I'm I'm really interested to get more of your insights because it sounded like it was some good personal development behind it at the end of it all. Yeah, I was just, I was just, I was just getting dragged into negative stuff, which was like okay, yeah, this is good content where I'm kind of not doing big call-outs or anything, but just, like, saying kind of, this is a bit shit what that person is doing or, you know, getting a bit snarky with some of my comments sometimes, mostly on my own page, not going on other people's page. I'd never go on anyone's page and leave a negative comment. I'd say I've done that once ever, if ever. But just too much negative stuff. Too much, like... Just too much negative stuff, and it does it does create content, and it does create um, like what's the saying? Like all publicity is good publicity, like that. There is people that are built for that. They're literally going out to, to create a ruckus every single day, and you will make money that way, absolutely. But you you attract what you are more than anything else, and if you're doing that, you're attracting absolute dickheads on your page. And like if you run a workshop, yeah. and you're that type of person either no one is coming to your workshop or it's a load of dickheads coming to your workshop and you were at our workshop uh, and other people listening if if anyone ever comes to our workshop you'll see how nice the people are and yeah because they're just nice honest and and there's very little ego in the room like really people are not afraid to ask questions no one is trying to for the most part trying to like sound the smartest or anything like that and I hope that that comes from me as well, because I stand up at the room at the start and I say like, okay, there might be loads of things that I don't know. You might be smarter than me about at all of these other things and this and that. But I'm the reason I'm going to stand up here and teach for the weekend is because you have appointed me the teacher. You have put up your hand by buying a ticket and saying, right, can I come and listen to David speak? Doesn't mean I'm right, but you have appointed me your teacher. So remember that. And also remember that like everything I say might be right, wrong, somewhere in the middle. That's absolutely fine. It's 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 fine and I won't try and bullshit you. And 
yeah sometimes on social media you lose track of yourself a little bit like that you get into kind of a negative mindset you get into like just trying to look and put other people down or even if you're not saying that actually vocally saying that you find yourself sometimes almost looking at a post thinking like finding what's wrong with other people's posts you know what i mean like you're looking for what's wrong with it subconsciously and i just was like no like if i had a coffee with this person we'd probably agree on 90 95 percent of the stuff well it depends depends on the person but like yeah so i'm just i'm just making a pact with myself to stop doing that just try and be positive wherever possible and if it's wor- if it if it means we make less money i'm absolutely fine with that because it's not worth uh, it's not worth how it makes me feel yeah 100% because you know, earlier on in the conversation you when you were kind of saying you know a lot of people are like they're always looking at the negative or saying this is shit about industry and you're like kind of flip that coin and go no but like look at all the brilliant stuff in the industry and to me that kind of felt like from the reflection you've just had on that kind of whole social media experience from this year like or mm-hmm. maybe the, the the preceding years too that you've kind of come to that and go do you know what like when people say like this and this and this you go like but yeah but look at this as well like this is amazing too like and listen that is the journey of life there's ups and there's downs and you can't have one without the other because it only all works through contrast but yeah, like the same, instead of going with more of a glass half empty, everything's scarcity and bullshit mindset, it's like, I'm going glass half full and abundancy, baby. You know, it's like, you know, like there's so much good, like and there's so much people doing good out there. Yeah, of course, there's going to be some shittiness and, you know, less integrity or like that could have been definitely done a bit or said a better way. But, you know, you're like, I'm just going to, again, it comes back to, listen, what can I control is what I put out into the world, you know? And like, I go to, I remember I asked Paul Check on like one of my very first podcasts way back, this would be like, episode, it was one of the early ones, like, like 2011, back when I had a clue how to record a podcast. But I always love what he said and I asked his question. I was like, what is the definition of being a spiritual person? And he said, being a spiritual person is nothing more than taking responsibility for what you bring into creation moment to moment. And I was like, that is the most fucking brilliant definition I ever heard of that. Yeah, yeah. Right. So he he was just like, and you know what? He's 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 actually been asked what is spirituality or be a spiritual person, and he's given a different definition that I was like, no, the one he gave me was way better. So I stick to that. So I, I'm just like, basically, that is like, if you just take responsibility for what you bring into the world, he's like, there's nothing more you can ask for. So like, as you as you like David Gray Rehab, if you're on social media, and you're like, you know what? If someone comes to me and says, what do you think it is, David? And you know that they're trying to rope you, and you go, listen. I, I don't have enough context. I don't know this individual. I'm sure if we sat down and had a coffee, the conversation would probably like really open up our minds to what really is going on here. There's actually a podcast I listen to. It's it's the American football podcast and the athletic. And there's a guy on one of the podcasts. He constantly says this. It's a little bit annoying at this stage because he says it so much, but it's so true. He goes, there's, there's something I don't know. There's something of which would change everything. He always yeah. says that. Like when he's talking about like what's going on at one of the football clubs, like why why a GM or a, an assistant coach got fired, and people are you know like the usual like social media like ah oh, he got fired because he's blah 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 blah, and then like he always goes back to listen, there's something we don't know, the knowing of which would change everything, and he, he's just like yeah, he's that's right, good. that is good, yeah, that is good. So I'm I just when you said that in your own solo podcast again, it resonates you know to certain experiences and self realizations I come to that I same myself I try and do my best not to not to be adding more to the problem like essentially be a solution 
don't add more to the problems you know what i mean so yeah definitely and that's, good for, that's good for other people seeing that and and that's putting out good vibes but it's also good for it's a selfish thing for me more than anything which is like i i think i said on that podcast like i can project out to the future 30 years in this industry and getting one percent negative more negative every year and it's not hard to see why like these 60 year old coaches on twitter or instagram are so fucking bitter about everything they hate everything and everyone and everyone is wrong and all you need to do is this this and this and i've done it all and i hate everyone and it's hard to see how you've become like that until you realize it's just a compounding thing that like i definitely got i definitely got more negative about stuff over the last two years uh and yeah i just need to multiply that by 30 and that becomes very very negative so i'm not going that down that direction that's not going to be me yeah and, and like as as you know too like if you were to really sort of de- dig into it a bit deeper it's kind of like like do i want my kid seeing me act like that you know what i mean like you, you know I, I don't want i don't want to bring my kid up like seeing like oh dad like you're being a douchebag on social media there you know <laughs> yeah 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 it's not like that because I, I can remember too uh james hanley who's a gym owner here in 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 dublin like and kind of asking like you know what kind of motivates him and all that like to, to open the business this is actually before he had kids but he just always one of the things he said to me was like the reason why i decided to open my own business was i want to be able to look at my you know my future kids if i have kids and he's he has had kids since that but it's like 10 years ago that you know if they look at me and say like oh like what did you do with your life dad and he's like you know i had the courage to go after my dream that kind of way you know that kind of way so it's kind of it's a good way to put things in perspective like you know if i if i have a kid or if i do have kids would they be proud of how i'm acting right now you know <laughs> exactly exactly so uh, so so for people listen next time you're on social media about that you go do i want my future son or daughter to like see this <laughs> would they yeah. be proud of this yeah so <laughs> Uh, wrapping up here i love to what were your tops I, I love the email you sent out but some people might be on your email list but i loved your uh you know your sort of top picks for 2023 so you had movies and books and you had one or two at all so i know oppenheimer was one of your favorite movies what was it about that you love uh I, you know what i even did a post on social media about that uh i love the 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 tug of war with second and third order consequences of your actions <laughs> <laughs> that i was sitting down i was just like this is the scientific method and this is so good and it's not certain it's like what are the possibilities that if i drop if i not even drop this bomb if i build this bomb someone yeah. else is going to build a bigger bomb which means i need to build a bigger bomb than that and then eventually you extrapolate that out and like that could mean the end of the world that is a really important thing to look at when it comes to first second third order consequences and we don't we don't think about that i the, i think the post i did the day after i was like talking about i can't remember it was like talking about maybe it was talking about achilles achilles tendons or something like that and i was like about how all the this could be wrong here, but about how all like this the fastest people i've ever met i've been lucky enough in the last couple of years to work with some of the fastest people in the history of the world sub 10 sprint 100 meter sprinters and they all have the tightest feet and ankles and i've ever seen so incredibly tight like they have 
three millimeters of dorsi ankle dorsiflexion and then their heel is off yeah. the ground because they're just there already they're just pushed into max propulsion already they have flatter feet doesn't mean flat floppy feet flat stiff rigid wound up feet ready to push they just live for push and um yeah i think i saw someone talking about how like here's all the ways to improve a sprinter squat and to get more ankle dorsiflexion and to mobilize the ankle and blah 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 and and anyone who's been to one of our workshops knows that i have a video of someone who is trying to ankle dorsiflex and you can actually see their achilles tendon bending as they do it because they can't actually open up and get any relative motion at the ankle and the foot so Mm. they just their achilles literally bends and their tibia bends i have really good video of it it looks like it's a client of mine looks like the achilles is going to snap when they do that and i'm i'm like okay you want to improve a sprinter's ankle dorsiflexion so they can squat a bit deeper and build stronger legs but you're going to be stretching the life out of their achilles along the way because that's the only way they're going to get more motion because you don't know how to open up the motion at the foot and the ankle which would mean like okay here's true ankle dorsiflexion rather than just stretching your achilles more so i was like people don't just think about second order consequences of okay more mobility is better yeah unless you're one of the fastest people in the world and you need to like every point one of a second a point one of a second could be the difference between getting a gold medal and not and that could mean a different life completely than yeah. the life you currently live so that's just an example of like second order to actually thinking about your consequences rather than just like what's two inches in front of your face so that was why i loved Oppenheimer. Only you could just walk out of a movie about the Manhattan Project and link it to Achilles. Just walking <laughs> out of cinema and go, yeah, it makes so much sense with the Achilles injuries. Yeah. 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 So that's why scientists, like, you know what I also, after that movie, I was I was actually kind of annoyed. I was like, I just wish I was smarter. I've never wished, I, I always thought, like, I'm smart enough. In school, I never cared about being smarter. Like, actually just having genuine raw horsepower like my oven i wish i could turn it up hotter but my brain it just won't go there but i'd love to be smarter so i could chat to a proper physicist and be like tell me what you know and now i can actually understand it but i can't i can't i just my oven won't isn't can't get hot enough that's it yeah, but I suppose because I'm similar too. Like I get this thing in my head that oh, when I when I have a better understanding of maths and physics, I'll, I'll you know I have a better understanding of everything. And then, but then like I kind of think about Bill sometimes, and like you know when he talks about he gives that analogy of well, if you actually had a literal map of America, would that be any use to you actually getting around America? And it's kind of like okay, knowing that might be good, but will it actually like tangibly make what you're doing practically any better? Like will it, it serve? It Will it serve you? Yeah, yeah, it exactly. Yeah, but I, but I realize that I don't care. I I just want to know what they know. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, as yeah. in practical wise, like no, I'm not going to do anything with it. But like, it, it's just a different. If you're if you're David Deutsch or someone like this, like yeah, 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 you just have more fucking brain power, and you just know stuff that I can never know because I can't comprehend it. You know? Yeah, yeah, no, like, yeah, like. It's, it's definitely not a bad thing to understand those concepts more or to have a better handle on them. I just think there is a lot of people that go, 
if I understood that more, I'd be a better SNC or better physio. I was like, you probably wouldn't. No, but no, it would make my life worse. It would definitely make my life worse. <laughs> I'd be more miserable. But I think I'd take that trade off just to be like, yeah, yeah. yeah. You'd be a more enlightened human being overall. But I don't know if it's going to make you get the Achilles any better quicker. You know. No. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Last one for you, and it's uh, I suppose deep enough. But like, you you are a great person to reflect. How are you preparing for fatherhood? Are you looking forward? Are you nervous? Ah, uh, no, I'm ex- ex- excited, excited. Excited, yeah, yeah. Mostly excited about it at this stage. Uh, I'm not nervous about the raising of the child as such, but I am somewhat nervous about just like i just want to get that baby out of there and just be like <laughs> okay that's good you know what i mean so that's my yeah. main thing so at the moment yeah just healthy it's yeah. it's good yeah exactly and yeah. my sister now my sister had her first baby there almost one year ago first of february so her first birthday's coming up and like so we, they called her tieren t-t-u-i-r-e-n irish name and she's just being an absolute like the scent like just the universe of our whole family because our family is pretty small so it's only me and my sister and my folks and then with regards to my sister's sister's partner it's just him in his family that's it him and his mother so we're a very small tight family like so she's yeah. just like every day in the family whatsapp it's just like her and doing something, something absolutely hilarious you know what i mean so yeah yeah the, the the joy they bring is unreal and, and lucky for my sister too and for us because we've had the babysitter she's been a great baby with regards to feeding and sleep and Def- she's definitely one of us anyway because our family are sleepers and, and eaters we're fed and we're slept we're, we're happy you know yeah so i wish you the best of luck with that no doubt you're going to be an, an amazing you anchor will be an amazing mentor to, to, to your to your baby to be you, you don't know what it what it is david or i do i'll you... tell you afterwards okay okay yeah that's no problem yeah listen we'll, we'll wrap up and um, no doubt everyone listening to this knows where they can find out more about you but sure plug away anyway and i'll put in the show notes uh they can just go to instagram so david gray rehab if they want to if they want to have a look and uh yeah thanks for having me on robbie you're yeah you're man you're you're uh you're an absolute legend one of the people that i really look up to and just think about like someone who's just living life on their own terms you're just doing what you want to do and i really admire that so i appreciate it I, I appreciate whenever you call me the og makes me like a granddad of the podcast <laughs> it's true though it is true. yeah 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 love it love it so for everyone listening as i always say until next time take care be well and stay strong mm-hmm.